Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. We unfortunately or fortunately have a couple of earnings stories today. We couldn't get around it, there, but they are some really interesting ones with some product news behind them. So it's not all numbers, but Sean, welcome back. Can you give us a roundup of what we'll talk about today? Thank you. And yes, definitely not all numbers, which is all all I need. But today's news includes those quarterly updates from Acutus Medical and Embecta specifically. Heartbeam's new VP of Regulatory Affairs, Orchestra Biomed's FDA Investigational Device Exemption Approval for a Drug-Coded Balloon Study, and a big fundraise for Elon Musk's Neuralink brain-computer interface company. So let's jump into those earnings first. What's the first story that we should know for today? First thing is that Acutus beat the street in the second quarter and expects some positive news on its Accublate ablation catheter by the end of this year. So can you give us some details about that pending approval? Yeah, according to BTIG analysts, there are a few coming milestones in the near future for Acutus. The company plans to submit a pre-market approval response letter to the FDA regarding its Accublate ablation catheter by the end of the third quarter. So within the next couple of months, and it anticipates approval, which is centered around cybersecurity, apparently, by the end of the year. So I was looking at these earnings and there was this bottom line slide, but the company still had sales growth. What contributed to the sales growth and maybe what are some of the quarterly highlights? Yeah, the company attributed the sales growth to disposable sales, higher capital conversions, increases in services and rent. And additionally, sales through its distribution agreement with Medtronic also drove growth. Among the highlights for the quarter, Acutus achieved record procedure volumes thanks to a handful of things, including the AccuMap 8.5 software launch and positive results from its Recover AF study increasing adoption. Let's jump into that second earnings story that we have for today. Yeah, Embecta increased its guidance for the full year and reported closed-loop insulin delivery technology progress. So. It's still, it's a bit piece by piece, you know, it's not full updates that everyone wants. I know I'm desperate to hear more about this technology, but we're we're getting to learn more and more each time Invecta comes out with news. So can you give us a status update on its closed-loop insulin delivery tech? Yeah, the company says it continues to make progress on the development of that closed-loop insulin delivery system for type 2 diabetics. System uses a proprietary patch pump system developed by Invecta, the BD diabetes spinoff. That platform holds FDA breakthrough device designation, and the company has an ongoing collaboration with Tidepool on automated insulin delivery. They've commenced engineering work to integrate Tidepool's insulin dosing algorithm with the patch pump to develop a closed-loop system, and they initiate a small observational study to analyze type 2 diabetes patients using that algorithm. So some positive updates, some progress clearly being made for sort of the flagship automated insulin delivery technology that would come out of Invecta eventually. Interesting. And much like Acutus, the company had a bottom line slide year over year. What did the company CEO have to say about that and even this update that you provided? Yeah, CEO Dev Kurtikar said, you know, it's been a year and a half as an independent publicly traded company. So he believes the company's continued to make significant progress in building an organization well positioned to advance its mission to develop and provide solutions that make life better for people with diabetes. He said the company remains steadfast in its focus on three strategic priorities, strengthening its base business of pens and syringes and things of that nature, 
separating and standing up Invecta as an independent company and investing for growth. While executing against these initiatives in each of these areas, the company continues to deliver quarterly financial results that exceed their expectations, he said. And what's the analyst viewpoint? Yeah, so the same BTIG analysts that shared some views on Acutus, Marie Tibault and Sam Iber, said they like Embecta's consistent earnings track record, and they look positively upon the company's geographic diversity, cash flow, and dividend payments, but they remain neutral on the company for a few reasons, including flat total sales growth and a lack of detail on those growth catalysts, plus some external pressures from the growing popularity of diabetes drugs. They mentioned some positive clinical trial results from Novo Nordisk that may put more pressure on Invecta shares, but they still see a multi-year transition to growth and, like me, are definitely clamoring for more details on what's next as far as products and automated insulin delivery in particular. And if our listeners want to know more about the financial performance of both of these companies, they should go to Mass Device and read the full story that Sean did. So You can get the numbers there. I'm not going to read them out. Yeah. Let's move on to the personnel change that we have for today. Yeah, Heartbeam named Deborah Castillo. It's VP of Regulatory Affairs, someone with tons of experiences joining the regulatory team at Heartbeam. So what is some of her career history that supports this appointment? She's an experienced biomedical engineer with extensive knowledge of FDA, EU, and Health Canada regulations, according to Heartbeam. Before joining the company, she served as the Director of Regulatory Affairs for Neuromodulation at Levanova. And from 2012 to 2018, she held a number of roles at the FDA, including acting branch chief, senior lead reviewer, and lead scientific reviewer. So very rich history. What will she be responsible for at Heartbeam? She's got responsibility for interactions with regulatory agencies worldwide and supporting the company's clinical development and commercialization efforts for its Heartbeam Amy Go platform technology for ECG monitoring that's currently under review by the FDA. So what did executives have to say about this appointment? Branislav Vajic, the CEO and founder of Heartbeam, said that Castillo is a seasoned regulatory leader with a proven track record of bringing novel medical technologies to the market. Her expertise will be invaluable in leading the regulatory strategy and execution at the company, he said. Now, what's the next story that we need to know for today? Orchestra Biomed won FDA investigational device exemption for its drug-coated balloon study. Could be a big step forward for what the company believes is a significant unmet clinical need. And what is that drug-coated balloon designed for? It's called Virtue SAB. It's designed to enable the protected delivery of Sirolimus EFR to the artery. The device delivers the proprietary investigational extended release formulation of Sirolimus during balloon angioplasty and doesn't require balloon coating or a permanent implant. And what will the study assess? It's going to compare that Virtue balloon against plain old balloon angioplasty. It's got a primary efficacy and safety endpoint of target lesion failure at 12 months. And what did executives have to say about this? Is This is obviously something to be excited about. Definitely. Darren Sherman, the president, COO, and founder of Orchestra Biomed, said the IDE approval and forthcoming pivotal study reflect the company's commitment to accelerating innovation through differentiated partnership-enabled business. The company looks forward to continued collaboration with partners at Terumo, as well as with the FDA as they work to deliver the highly differentiated leave-nothing-behind therapy to patients. And now, what's the last thing that we should know for today? Even in medtech, he can't get Elon Musk's name out of the news. Neuralink company that he backs raised $280 million for its brain-computer interface technology. 
after what's felt like a few years filled with only bad news for Neuralink, the last couple of things we've heard from the company have only been positive. And we'll get into the timeline in a, in a bit, but can you give us a brief description of what the Neuralink implant is? Neuralink develops an implant called the N1. It's about the size of a coin. It's remotely rechargeable, and it goes along with electrode-laced threads that go further into the brain. It's got what they call an R1 robot meant to be programmed to implant the brain-computer interface system while avoiding vasculature. And the company designed the system to enable a user to control a computer or mobile device anywhere they go. And so what has the company's timeline to clinical trials been like? Oh, yeah, this is where the bad news I was talking about comes in. Musk had previously said that Neuralink planned to file for FDA approval for human trials as far back as 2020, but hit a few snags along the way. Uh, Last year, the company, along with the University of California, Davis, faced accusations of egregious violations of the Animal Welfare Act, alleging that Neuralink caused extreme suffering in monkeys. Musk still maintained at the end of last year that the company planned for first and human implant within the next six months. Shortly after a show and tell event at the end of last year, Neuralink reportedly faced a U.S. Department of Agriculture Inspector General animal welfare investigation. But regardless of all the hurdles it had to overcome, it finally cleared the important regulatory hurdle for a first and human implant approval in May of this year. And so... BCI isn't this totally new technology, but who are some other players in the BCI space? No, it's definitely not new. And it's, yeah, it's a really interesting space. You've got Synchron, which develops a catheter-delivered implant, and Precision Neuro, co-created by a founding member of the Neuralink team, which completed its first in human procedures for a pilot clinical study of its neural implant system within the last year. There's also BlackRock Neurotech, which has been implanting its Utah Array system for almost 20 years and has a next-generation BCI implant coming through the pipeline as well. Those are just a few. There's plenty more. And actually, just about a year ago, we did a roundup of seven BCI companies making waves. So I suggest listeners, I always suggest listeners read everything on we talk about on this podcast, but this Neuralink article in particular, they can find the link to that roundup at the bottom. And that is the fifth story that we had for today. So, Sean, thank you for coming on and giving us your insights again and sharing all these stories that we should know. My pleasure. And just to repeat, you can read more on the Mass Device website and check out the show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. Connect with us online. I'm on LinkedIn at Danielle Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. How about you, Sean? You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us tomorrow for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.